I like to say you're always one relationship or revelation away from breakthrough. And so God just needs to connect you with one new way of thinking or one person and you're you're unstuck and you're moving forward. Welcome to BAM Perspectives, a conversation about different business as mission perspectives to help build and challenge yours. As BAM Canada, we believe in kingdom impact through profitable and sustainable business using a quadruple bottom line approach. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Over to our host, BAM Canada co-founder, Carrie Ann Ballantyne. And today our guest is Jordan Taylor, the National Director at Transform Our World Canada. Uh, they're an organization that helps individuals and organizations think transformationally. Um, and we're proud to say that they're a BAM Canada partner. So we are really excited to hear more from Jordan today about what they're up to, um, and also just hear a little bit more about uh, what their vision is for Canada and how we can um, jump into that collaboratively. So. Over to Jordan. Welcome. Hey, Kirianne. It's great to be with you. I'm glad the technology's working. We're off to a good start. Yes, definitely a good start with that. Um, I would love to hear um, right off the bat a little bit about um, who is Jordan? What, what's your uh, role, I guess, within Transform Our World Canada? Yes, National Director, but uh, what does that all look like? Big question. <laughs> Big question. Who is Jordan Taylor? Existential crisis. Now, here we go. So yeah, I'm from New Zealand, for those trying to guess my accent, and uh, I studied accounting. My dad was an accountant, my uncle was an accountant, my auntie was an accountant, my granddad was an accountant, so I studied accounting, And but then in my last year of university, really encountered God for myself and went off to Youth with a Mission to figure out who was God and how do I have a relationship with this invisible guy, and so I was in YWAM for a number of years, and then, long story short, met my wife, she's Canadian, moved to Canada, went into kind of the business world. How do you be on mission in everyday life uh, in the business context? And then through that, ended up working in business, starting my own business. Then I went into pastoring. And now we're Transform Our World. And uh, what do I do with Transform Our World? We're really just trying to help Christians in Canada and people that are curious and open and want to build the kingdom of heaven, even though they may not know it yet, uh, help them think transformationally in every area, in business, in their family life, in their personal life, in their city. And so, yeah, really exciting to connect with ministries like BAM and others that are on the same path, on the same journey, helping people think more transformationally and more missionally. Yeah, I love it. So accounting is definitely in your blood then. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. unfortunately. No, it is. <laughs> is that um, what, you, uh, what your business was or what did your business look like? So my business was when I left Youth with a Mission and I had this heart for how do you be on mission in everyday life. When I was in YWAM, I learned about the seven spheres, seven spheres of influence and how everyone's a missionary, everyone's called to bring the kingdom wherever God calls you. So then finished up with YWAM and out in the real world, inverted commas, and okay, how do I be on mission? And so I was working at a manufacturing plant, but also on the side, I just started a life coaching business, primarily because... I saw that people in the West weren't going to the church when they had problems like mm -hmm. they used to 20, 30 years ago. Wow, yeah. So I was like, they're coming to life coaches. They're coming to yoga teachers and all these kinds of things. But why don't I just become a life coach? And then people will pay me to be their pastor, but they won't know I'm their pastor because they're, they're <laughs> not Christians. I call myself a life coach. So that's how I started it. And then from there, went into a bit of business consulting with that, continued to do life coaching. And I still 
run that on the side today. Yeah, going where the people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. No, that's great. Um, so I would love to hear even a little bit of the process of um, when you were in school and then trying to figure out um, what does it look like? How do I live missionally? And then landed in a business context. Um, was that uh, an easy transition for you or was that like a, because uh, so often in, in, I feel like our the dominant culture in the West is those are pitted against each other. Um, and mm. we're all about bridging that. Um, was that like an easy thing for you to do? Or was was that met with some uh, friction maybe for, from others? Yeah, good question. When I learned about kind of the seven spheres when I was with Youth with the Mission, and then when I left to go, okay, let's go apply this, let's go into the world where the majority of people are non-Christian in workplaces generally, and trying to figure it out while building that business on the side. One of the biggest challenges I initially faced was like learning the language or like translating Christianese into normal people language, yeah. basically trying to be like Jesus, how Jesus, when he was going around telling parables, he wasn't speaking in Jewish ease. Oh, the kingdom of heaven is like a field. It's like a seed. It's like he was using just normal language that the agrarian yeah. society could understand. So I remember this one example, working at this manufacturing plant. I was uh, a general manager there at one point. And then I saw this guy that was always going the extra mile and kind of get, having to do jobs that no one else wanted to do. So I wanted to go and encourage him. And so I went over to him and I said, I forget his name now, but I just imagine it's Bob. Hey, Bob, man, you are such a servant. Like that. And then he said to me, he looked at me and said, yeah, sometimes it feels like it. And I was like, oh, being a servant is not a good thing. <laughs> In secular culture, that's yeah. like you're, you you have to bow down to the master or whatever. In Christianity, that's like a great encouragement. And so I just remember that vividly of like, well, I've got to change the way I communicate right. so that people <laughs> understand my heart. And so then I started, I experienced that with life coaching as well, working with people. I had to remove my Christian Christianese, my Christian lingo, and just start to figure out how to speak in a language they understood, kind of like Paul at the Areopagus. Oh, I see you're religious and oh, you've got lots of idols, but oh, you've got a God, un the unknown God. Let me tell you about the unknown God. And then he goes yeah. on to talk. <laughs> Even your own poets have said, you know, for in him we live and move and have our being. So he he knew secular culture. He knew their culture and they weren't Jews. So he wasn't speaking from the Torah. He was speaking from their own reading. So like he wasn't just a, I only read the Torah. I don't read secular culture. He's like, no, I know culture so much that I can talk to people in their language so I can communicate the gospel. And so I had to learn how to do that. So the main friction for me was friction within myself. Hmm. Um, and because I probably because I was in YWAM culture, kind of parachurch culture, it's a, it's a different culture than kind of just church culture, Sunday church, life group kind of culture, which may be more resistant to kind of outside of the box thinking, uh, secular right. sacred thinking, uh, whereas YWAM might be more just different and pioneering and doing new things in new ways. So it wasn't as much of a jump with the kind of communities and friendships I had, if that makes sense. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, that's a really funny story. I'm going to remember that for probably a long time. That servant language, because <laughs> it's so true. We sometimes use so many words um, that don't translate well into many of those spaces and places. Um, and so, yeah, that's a great reminder even to everyone listening of what is it to, to pause and hear how are, how is what you're saying being heard from other people, even within the workplace context? So 
No, it's good. That's good. So then fast forward and now you're in uh, experiencing snow in Canada. (laughs) Um, What is uh, what's been the transform our world journey and uh, what are you excited about that you guys are uh, working on or dreaming up right now? Yeah, good question. And I'll, I'll jump a little bit backstory to get to the Transform Our World because yeah. I left y, I left YWAM, Youth with a Mission, to go into like the workplace. I wanted to be around non-Christians because if we're supposed to be salt and we're supposed to be light, you know, we've got to go into go into the place that salt is needed. You've got to go into a dark place yeah. where light is needed. And I don't want to be around Christians all the time because I want to <laughs> go change the world and help more people discover God and his goodness. And so went into the you know manufacturing industry. And then I, after that, I went, I was working for a technology startup um, and then eventually felt God calling me back into pastoral ministry. And so I was pastoring for a time and that was a bit of a wrestle with me internally. It's like, you're calling me to be around all these Christians all the time again. But then I felt (laughs) like God was saying to me, hey, but here's all the seven spheres. Here's people in all walks of life and all spheres of society. And you get to journey with them and help them see all of life as a mission field. So that, that mindset shift was like really exciting for me. Yeah, because well, in, even in seeing some... the church as like a springboard of like you come in and then we equip you to then be spread out. It's not the gathering for the sake of just gathering, which is, yeah, beautiful when you see it as a springboard. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool picture. And I also, and this this one might uh, might offend some, but I hope not. Sometimes it's almost like I see a church as like a business. And when I say mm-hmm. that, it's because a, a business is all about solving problems in the world. Yeah. A business is all about providing value to people. Mm-hmm. that they need and people are willing to pay you because you're solving their problems. If they don't have a problem, then they probably don't need your product or your service. And so mm-hmm. the church is supposed to represent God, who's a God that comes and solves problems. Like he wants to solve spiritual problems, you know, salvation and all that. He wants to solve relational problems with reconciliation. He wants to solve material problems and lift people out of poverty. He wants to solve motivational problems with people being demotivated and broken down. So mm-hmm. our God is a God who comes and solves problems. He's a God who has answers. He's a God that came to give yeah. us life and life to the full. And he wants to release life. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so when I see the church, it's like, oh, we exist. Well, there's multiple levels why we exist as a church. But one of them is to solve problems in society. And mm-hmm. so when I when you, when you I saw it like a business, but it's like there's always many businesses within it. It's like an incubator of all these business ideas. Yeah. This business. <laughs> In a, uh, an accountant or this person's a teacher or this person's a stay-at-home mom and how do how do I help them to solve problems in their context in their own family in their neighborhood in their employees in their workplace in their city and so I was really excited to be a pastor with this mindset of who are you what's your gifts what are the problems around you and how do I support you to go change yeah, the world yeah yeah commission you into I, every space yeah <laughs> commission you equip the saints for the work of ministry and so when I finished up pastoring it was I met Transform Our World a few months earlier because I knew about the ministry and I wanted to help them to come alongside me to help me in my church because I knew that they were all about everyone being involved in transforming society. And so when I finished up pastoring and I was trying to figure out what to do next, um, they approached me and said, hey, would you like to work with us? And so I was like, yes, they're all about how do you disciple the nation? How do you transform culture? How do you activate Christians here to transform everything? So that's mm. why I got drawn into Transform Our World. And and I'm just loving connecting with people all across Canada. Because as you mentioned at the start, we, we help individuals and organizations think transformationally. So what that means is I get to talk to anybody and everybody 
whether it's a large business and it's the CEO or whether it's an employee or whether it's a stay-at-home mum trying to figure out what transformation looks like in the home. I just mm. love, sometimes I feel like a Christian Tony Robbins, you know, like <laughs> helping this individual, but then he like advises presidents and sport teams. Not that I'm advising presidents at all, but I just love the <laughs> diversity of getting to connect with so many people because we're all mm. part of the church. We're all different parts of the body and every single person is needed for God yeah. to do what he wants to do in Canada. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and even um, I know one thing that you guys talk a lot about as well is the ecclesia. Um, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what that means or doesn't have a that language is not something that they're familiar with, um, do you want to explain a little bit about what that looks like and what you guys talk about um, around that language as well? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So ecclesia, which we we get the word ecclesiology. Uh, some people pronounce it ecclesia. So it's the Greek word that we see in the New Testament that is translated church. And so these days when someone says the word church, instantly people think of those buildings on a Sunday generally. We all know that the yeah, church yeah. is not the building, it's the people, <laughs> but generally I'm going to church. People don't think, oh, you're going to hang out with your friends. <laughs> you are yeah, going yeah. to a building generally on a Sunday. And so when Jesus used that word, he was actually thinking the opposite. He wasn't thinking of a building. He was thinking of people. And it's interesting because in that time, in the first century, like there were some religious buildings. There was the temple mm -hmm. and there was the synagogue. And Jesus talking to his disciples, he didn't say, I will build my synagogues all over the earth and the gospel will go and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And we're going to see my kingdom expand or I'm going to build my temple. Now we do see temple language from Paul and others, you know, building the temple. We're all part of the temple. God's building us mm -hmm. up as living stones. But Jesus didn't pick the temple. I'm going to build temples all over the earth, physical temples, and everyone can come to the temples. The word he actually picked wasn't, uh, a Jewish word. It wasn't a religious word. It was a term that actually had already been in use for hundreds of years in secular culture. It actually originated uh, in somewhere called Athens in Greece. And it was Athens was a city state. And who ruled Athens as a city state? It was the ecclesia. And to be, the, mm. to be part of the ecclesia, you had to have done military service for, I think, at least two years. You had to be 18 or older. You had to be a male, I think. Just prove your commitment to the city-state you've served in the military. And they were the ones that literally came together to make decisions about the city, how it was run, how to build components of the city, and how to when to go to war and when not to go to war. They literally were the governmental ruling body of people, and they could mm. meet in buildings or not in buildings. They were a gathering, an assembly of people, and they were the ones ruling and in charge. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my gathering of people that wherever they go, they're going to have some, they're going to have my authority to govern in their spheres of influence. And that's how I'm going to build my kingdom. And Jesus only mentioned mm. the word church or ecclesia in two verses. So he mentioned the word kingdom about 120 or 130 times because people understood ecclesia. It was like, oh yeah, you're going to build your ecclesia? Well, what is, what is a Jesus ecclesia like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know what the worldly ecclesia is like, but what's a Jesus ecclesia? And he said, well, mm. this is, this is what the, the Jesus ecclesia does. They, they build the kingdom and this is how we do it. And then he co-opted while I'm, while I'm at it, he co-opted apostle, which was another secular term. And apostle was the person that led the flotilla of ships fill, filled with supplies to go and build Roman culture in a new place, in a new territory. So he sent out his apostles to go and build the kingdom of heaven in a new place as the ecclesia, as small groups, even as small as two or three. And two or three gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I am there in their midst. So just two or three you go out, build my kingdom wherever you go, in homes and streets and businesses and schools, go build. 
and then yeah. proclaim to them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand as they as they taste and see that God is good. So that's a bit of a summary of the ecclesia, and we just encourage people to understand their role as the ecclesia. When you understand your identity, it affects how you behave. So ecclesia is part of our identity as as believers. Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't know the that historical aspect of the ecclesia, so that's really interesting. Um, thank you for sharing. And also for anyone listening, um, just even that the not just the historical part, but also the present day, that call to action that then is tied to that of our um and maybe you can speak just a little bit to this of uh what you guys are doing with equipping people to be the ecclesia in their context and in the places that they are. Um, what does that look like for you guys on a practical level? Yeah, good question. So with transformation, all transformation happens from belief systems you know the bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind and so all transformation to take place in the business in the economy and the systems of this world it, you break it all down it starts by the individual being transformed and so they have to understand certain principles to, for themselves to get transformed they have to believe the truth jesus said to those jews who had believed him if you continue in my word then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so we have, we're a ministry, we're a movement that helps people understand transformational biblical principles, applying it to their life to see transformation, and then begin to apply it in other realms of their life. So based on that, we have resources and relationships that help people understand those principles and sink it into their life and practice it in their life so they incarnate those truths uh, so they can impart it to those who are around them. So. We have like a three-month course called the Ecclesia Accelerator, all about how do you actually live this out practically, two to three hours a week, videos, readings. We have just books you can read, one called Ecclesia, another one called Transformation for Understanding These Principles. Um, and then we have relationships. So there's people all across Canada that are already applying these principles in their homes and their workplaces and their businesses. And so we connect people. Oh, you're, you're an engineer. I know an engineer in Toronto that's living out these principles in his business. How about I connect you? And uh, I like to say you're always one relationship or revelation away from breakthrough. And so God just needs to connect you with one new way of thinking or one person and you're you're unstuck and you're moving forward. So we like to, our tagline on our website summarizes it as we connect Canadians to the relationships and resources to help them extend the kingdom in their sphere of influence. So that's mm -hmm. that's how we how we kind of do it in a nutshell. Yeah, and you guys have um, correct me if I'm wrong. Or like I don't know the exact language, but that like mentors that help people through that process as well. Um, I know uh, we were meeting recently, and uh, a couple of the people at that table were even um, at least one um, are mentors um, through that process, and they're incredible people. So if you're looking for, here's my little. I'll do a shameless plug for you, Jordan. <laughs> If you're either looking to um, mentor or looking to be mentored as well through that process and um, try and discover what that looks like, uh, definitely reach out to Jordan and uh, their organization is doing a lot of really cool stuff in Canada. So um, highly recommend. <laughs> Woo, five yeah. stars. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> no problem. Um, I would love to hear um, from you. There's a lot of people that are listening to this that are in the business space. Um, and so that would be what their um, ecclesia would look like. Obviously, we have many different spheres of our life, but um, we mostly speak to um, that context and space. Uh, what would you encourage somebody that is looking at their 
work or the business that they own or manage or operate or whatnot, that's kind of asking those questions of, okay, how do I see my business as the place that I can have that impact? Or how do I do this? Where do I start? How do I take it to the next level? Just kind of like wrestling in that space. Uh, what would mm -hmm. you encourage uh, that person with that right now? Yeah, good question. I love the practical questions. So what I would say is sometimes it can be overwhelming when you're you're in business, there's so many competing priorities, there's so many things you're navigating, the world's so rapidly changing, you're trying to innovate to keep your products, you know, sellable in the market. And you, there's so many things going on. So how do you practically have time to add spirituality and kingdomizing your whole business and operations if you're the owner or just if you're an employee and you, maybe your manager is secular, maybe there's no Christians around, it seems like, and how do I make a difference? It's so overwhelming. What I think Jesus taught, which is helpful in this instance, is that when two or three gather together in my name, I am mm. there in their midst. So that that's one, that if you can find one other believer that's in your workplace, ideally, and if you're unsure, pray, God reveal if there's any Christians in my workplace, because sometimes you just don't know and they're literally, you know, two yeah, yeah. cubicles down <laughs> or whatever. Or like, is there something you should do just so other people can know that you're a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian too, because I see there's a Bible on your desk. I don't know. You don't have to be that overt, but yeah. <laughs> uh, pray for God to bring you one other Christian in your workplace. And if uh, while you're waiting, find a prayer partner to be praying for your workplace. Everything starts in prayer. Like apart from him, we can't do anything. Apart from Jesus, we can't do, there's nothing that we can achieve. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds your business, like we labor in vain. Yeah, so true. it starts in prayer, starts with talking to God and say, and God has designed his kingdom to be built with others. And at a minimum, one other person, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my father who is in heaven. Jesus didn't say, if there's one of you asking, like, we'll definitely yeah. do it. <laughs> but it's like, there's two, there's something special about just finding one other person. And mm -hmm. I think that's further um, talked about when Jesus did the parable of the leaven. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Just a little bit of leaven that goes into three pecks of flour or a lot of dough. And literally it goes in that little bit of living and it influences mm. all of the dough and causes actually all of the dough to rise. Yeah. And that's a picture of what we as the ecclesia, we as the believers in a sometimes a very secular institution, a secular, secular business organization, just two or three gathering together, intentionally praying. What are the problems in this business that we're trying to solve? Or right now, yeah. there's just to share a story from one of the guys, like in the ecclesia accelerator, you have a weekly group meeting. So I have a young guy sharing a story last last week or the week before. He said, oh, my my boss and my colleague have just been having massive issues with each other for a while now. And it's just it's just kind of ruining the whole atmosphere at work. It's just affecting Oof. the whole workplace. Mm. And then he said, and this is the second time doing the course because he liked it the first time and wanted to go deeper. And so literally it's the second time around. And then he said, I realized one night I should pray. <laughs> I should pray for this. Like. I'm the ecclesia. Yes. God sent me into this environment. I'm the little bit of leaven to affect this dough. So, and the way you start to your question is by praying. So literally that night, he just prayed that his his uh, manager and his colleague, that they'd be reconciled. Mm -hmm. Literally the next day, he goes in <laughs> and they they had they reconciled that day. And he was just so encouraged. And it's nice when prayers get answered that quickly. That's not always the case. Yeah, yeah. In, in this instance, it was just like, I think God was just wanting to show him like, hey, like this is how you apply this to your life. Like you have my authority to go into yeah. the world and build my kingdom. And his kingdom is a relational kingdom. It's a, we are ministers of reconciliation sent into our workplaces. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. so that's like a, a small example is pray 
because you're the leaven in that dough, even though the dough may be overwhelmingly secular, you're if you you and another, you've got Jesus there in your midst, like you're the majority. You've got more authority than, than all the non-Christians combined. All yeah. authority is given to Jesus. And like, so you can pray with power that things will shift. Uh, so that would be like starting steps, pray with one other person, ideally in your workplace, like physically in there, like maybe a lunch break or a snack break or before work. It's nice when you actually, Jesus was like, hey, Joshua, like everywhere you place your feet, like there's something going to places physically. Jesus had to yeah. physically come to earth. He's like, oh, okay, you guys aren't really getting what I'm like. I, okay, I need to actually come as a human and reveal some things about what the Father's like. There's something about incarnating in person that yeah. really shifts atmospheres. So, yeah, no, that's great, and um, I love uh, that story that you just shared of uh, yeah, just when somebody kind of the light bulb goes off where they go, oh, mm. this is actually easier than I thought it was. Um, do you have maybe another story of somebody you've seen as well in like the business context that maybe they've taken it um, either God's revealed something to them or they've gone uh, maybe to the next level of influence or impact through just having this different perspective? Yeah, good question. I mean, there's a few different ones that come to mind. One that's here in the GTA, Greater Toronto area. I mean, there's a guy who provides personnel. Um, for truckers and he sends them so he's a contractor and mm -hmm. he literally in his business on a Saturday runs like a church service and wow. so some of his employees go to that so he's using he's, he's a business owner he's a business guy I don't even know if the guy's gone to seminary but literally he is literally running a Saturday night every Saturday night um, he's running a service there and also he's part of his church service his ecclesia that he's running in his business they do ministry in the prisons and they work oh, wow. with people that have come out of prison and then he employs those that have come out of prison to be these truck drivers so he's discipling wow. people he's his his business is like this that's so like holistic of, of yeah all the out. pieces yeah, yeah. and so he really also cool. hosted uh the prayer breakfast for that city so he's he's just thinking how can i bless he ran for mayor uh, he didn't win <laughs> but he's, he's and he's just overseas and um Nairobi, Kenya, and there's something. Uh, one one guy who's a partner at a law firm here in Canada. He started something called the First Responders Barbecue because during the pandemic, mm. he saw that you know police officers weren't getting that much honor or that much appreciation. Mm. It was quite a tough time during the pandemic. Um, so he thought, how can I just show my appreciation, honor those in authority? And so he's like, what's in my hand? And he's like, well, I like barbecuing. And he's this you know lawyer and so he just started this first responders barbecue started with one police station in 2020 and then it's expanded every year um multiplying across the gta and now in alberta and then back to this guy that i was talking about earlier that runs the church and his business and works with people out of prison he was in kenya and he's like i'm going to do this first responders barbecue just no ask no agenda showing appreciation for first responders in nairobi and he had like the constable be like I don't think this has ever happened in the history of Kenya. Wow. Like someone just putting on wow. uh, a feast for first responders just to say thank you. And it's like, you're not asking like, cause police yeah. go through so much and, and it's so much they're dealing with sometimes the worst situations when they're called up and to mm -hmm. actually just be shown honor and gratitude and is just transforming. We believe transformation takes place when poverty is broken in one of four areas, spiritual, relational, material or motivational so relational poverty is mm. huge and leads to actually lots of other forms of poverty and yeah. so when we get to the root of poverty so actually restoring trust between 
First responders, those in authority, the scriptures tell us to appreciate them, honor them. Restoring trust is actually bringing transformation in a region. And we're seeing it, you know, multiply through that movement to now go international. So those are yeah. a, a few business guys, a lawyer, also, a, yeah, providing personnel for drivers of having this mindset. Yeah, yeah. And I love when people find... Uh... I love when uh, just even the barbecue example, I, I love when people find, hey, what's in my hands <laughs> instead of trying yeah. to make it some very big, complex, complicated, like, oh, I can't do X for Christ because I don't have a multi-million dollar company to be able to hire all these people or well, whatever that looks like, but to go, yeah. okay, I love barbecuing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's beautiful to see like, okay, what's in your hands? You might not have um x or y or z but you have what you have and god's given you that to be able to use for his glory so yeah no that's beautiful yeah, mm-hmm. yeah totally and fun too when it's already in your hand you don't have to like yeah. go find something else you just do what you already know how to do but with a more intentional kingdom serving others focus and and then god god blesses it yeah he does he does Awesome. Well, um, Jordan, thank you so much for joining this conversation today to hear more about you, more about uh, Transform Our World Canada as well. Um, is there any last thing you'd like to say to leave everyone listening with? Oh, good question. Final words of wisdom. What wonderful <laughs> things do I have to say? Just God is with you, listeners. So whoever's listening, like God is with you and God is for you and yeah. God loves you. And he has just amazing things that he wants to do through you. And just that whole Sermon on the Mount, we just need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will fall into place. And so there's lots of needs. There's lots of pressures in life. Life is full on and there's so many competing priorities. But if we seek first his kingdom, all those other things, you'll you'll begin to watch God take the burdens and bring them into alignment and solve problems for you as you seek to build his kingdom and walk in righteousness. He'll do so much on your behalf rather than you trying to do it all and then not having time for his kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Put his kingdom first, his righteousness first, and you'll be surprised that things come into alignment for you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that wisdom. And um, really excited about what God has in store uh, for Transform Our World Canada in the next year um, and 5, 10, 20, 50 years, whatever God has (laughs) in store. Uh, We're cheering you on from BAM Canada and excited to see what God's going to do. Thanks, Gary Ann. It's been a pleasure. Want to learn more about Canadian Businesses Mission? Check out our website at www.businessesmission.ca for free missional resources, our newsletter, and to join our virtual business community, the BAM Canada Network. We're here to gather and help you grow in your redemptive purpose. So why not check out our community? Your first month is on us.